Good morning. Uh, my name is Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi, and we'd like to welcome all of you at this glorious uh, snowy Sunday. Uh, it reminds me, uh, years ago in the 70s, uh, Nitai and I, we were walking from Ayodhya to give Sunday service at the meditation retreat, and there was 20 inches of snow, and Nitai was carrying his guitar, and we had to walk down the, the little road, Sages Road, a half a mile to try to get hitchhike a ride on Tyler Foot. And then, uh, then from there, try to hitch a ride up to the trek to the meditation retreat. And during this time, and Sunita was walking along, he was the minister for Sunday service. Uh, he uh, said, I bet you we're the only ministers in the world that have to hitchhike and try to hope to catch two rides in order to make Sunday service. <laughs> so I'm glad for all of your adventuresome spirit <laughs> today uh, for making a service. And we'd also like to um, invite everyone online um, and all our guests here at the Expanding Light. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by uh, Swami Kriyananda, and these are weekly commentaries by uh, the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita uh, based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. And this week's uh, topic is, The Law is Perfected in Love. <clears throat> Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, we read, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace means the power to rise spiritually. Truth means the experience of divine realities, not the application in the outer world of that inner experience. Divine love is the soul's experience of oneness with God. Kindness is the human manifestation of that love. Grace is deeper than mere kindness. Wisdom is a divine experience. Justice to all is a human law, though divinely inspired. It follows as a consequence of the experience of wisdom. Truth goes deeper than mere justice. While following the law, we should strive always to trace it back to its origins in the vision of God. Therefore, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita urges the devotee not to be satisfied with spiritual precepts alone, but to go beyond them to the direct inner experience of truth. In the 18th chapter of that great scripture, he says, Nay, but once more, take my last word, my utmost meaning have. Precious thou art to me, right well, beloved. Listen, I tell thee for thy comfort this. Give me thy heart, adore me, serve me, cling in faith and love and reverence to me. So shalt thou come to me, I promise true, for thou art sweet to me. And let go those rights and writs duties, fly to me alone. Make me thy single refuge, I will free thy soul from all its sins. Be of good cheer. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Om. Yes, 
us, I too would like to welcome you and say thank you so much for all that it took to get you here. Really appreciate uh, being together today. So I'd like to start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is a book of prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda. And this reading is very short. I'm going to read it twice. And I want you to, uh, the first time I read it, Relax and just feel that you're taking this reading right into your heart. O oh, divine friend, though the darkness of my ignorance be as old as the world, still make me realize that with the dawn of thy light, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. Now feel as if you're directing that receptivity, that love of God, you're directing it to the spiritual eye and you're praying with will. O oh, divine friend, though, my dar though the darkness of my ignorance be as old as the world, still make me realize that with the dawn of thy light, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. Well, this is a, just a thrilling reading, I think, this week of these, this essence of the spiritual life, law and love. I'd like to start with a story about the Festival of Light. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in the 1980s, Swami Kriyananda felt inspired to create something that told the essence of our spiritual path, so that every week we could celebrate the essence of our path, which is that the soul is on a journey to self-realization. And that has different aspects to that journey, our, our resistance to it, our willing participation in it. And then it also has the help of the guru. So you'll hear that later uh, in the ceremony. But when he first wrote this ceremony in the mid-80s, we also had just finished the, uh, the chapel over at the Crystal Hermitage. And so what he did, first he did it he, to, to kind of inaugurate both the chapel and the ceremony. He would read it every night at the chapel. And in the beginning, it was an overflow crowd, you know, and it was every, every weekday night it would happen. And then afterwards, it got to be the, all the other light bearers in the community would do it uh, nightly. And so the crowds started to thin, 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 you know, till sometimes you would be doing it either by yourself or, you know, you'd be reading it, nobody would be there, or maybe there would be one person there. So um, in the Festival of Light, there's a particularly poignant passage. Um, the soul is saying, from the depths of unknowing, Lord, we cry out to thee. Is there no lasting purpose in our lives? For what end were we made? Now, I think that's particularly poignant because I suspect many of us are here because of praying a prayer very much like that. I certainly am. So I felt very delighted one of these nights that the festival was being performed. I was, I think, the only person there, and the minister was up front. And I got to enjoy one of the best festival bloopers that I know. <laughs> the minister, reading along, reading along, comes to this passage. But instead of saying, for what end were we made? He said, 
from what end were we made? <laughs> I missed a lot of the festival after that because I just I had all kinds of sort of hilarious images going on in my mind. But but today's reading explains from what end were we made? We start with the law. The law was given by Moses, and Moses came to the Jewish people, and all of you know, the Middle East was surrounded by heathens and people worshiping idols, and they had no structure to their lives. And Moses said, look, it's important how we eat. It's important how we clean the food. It's important how we clean our bodies. All, and there were hundreds of laws that came to the Jewish people. And what that did is it made every part of your life connect you with God. Have the ceremonial ritual worship of bathing and so forth. So it, it added discipline to the life. And discipline, it says the law is perfected in love. Discipline is the beginning. There's a poem uh, by Master, I Am Only a Dream. And he says, I come to tell you all of him and of the discipline that brings his grace. So discipline, and we find discipline in our techniques, don't we? Master came, he brought four main techniques, said do these every day and so forth, and we do them. And that discipline, just like the laws of Moses, they help us rise above just following the whims and fancies of our, of our uh, desires, of our body, of our senses, we just, we have to discipline ourselves, and that opens us to that grace. But we have to take it further. But this week, it was really, really sweet. Uh, Deva Leela put out a, I hope you all got it, it was, a, it was an email about um, the Kriya, and uh, she, she had a quotation in it from Swami that was so much on point with this reading, and I wanted to share it with you because it explains how important meditation is to uh, moving in the direction of grace. The practice of the techniques Master taught is essential. Many times Master would say, practice your techniques. It is through the techniques that I can help you. The feeling of love and devotion grows in meditation. Nurture that love and devotion by your attention to it. Hold it in your heart after meditation. And this is a, a very important line too. It's all important, but this is important. Don't dwell on the thought of how little love you have, but offer whatever love you feel to God, then more will come. Pray sincerely. Teach me to love thee more. So, the love is inside of us all the time, but it's through getting still in meditation that we have a chance to feel it. And once we feel it a little bit, it can grow. I think for many of us, uh, when you start to meditate, uh, I would say love is not really what you feel. <laughs> restlessness, um, frustration, many things like that. And, it's, and it really takes some effort 
to discipline yourself to sit still and to practice techniques. But you start to notice, maybe not when you're meditating, but after you're meditating, you notice you maybe feel a little more love for other people or a little bit more patience with other people or a little bit more love for yourself. And gradually that love begins to actually happen while you're meditating. So we're trying to tune into that and this concept of grace I'm very glad I had this reading uh, for two reasons. One was reading what Master said about grace. He said, grace is the power of God. Okay, where is that power? It's inside of us. Where is God? God became us. God is us. The Masters are omnipresent. That means they're in us. That power, that grace is in us. So what we're trying to do is not placate God with just the right prayer or just, you know, okay, if I just say my, my desire in the right way, maybe God will answer. But rather, we're trying through love, through trust, through energy, through devotion, to open our connection to attune ourselves to the grace <clears throat> that's just waiting inside of us. And that's, that's what we're going to do. And so I wanted to, I would recommend this to you all this week. <clears throat> I've been reading this reading uh, before meditation because this is an amazing reading in the, from the Bhagavad Gita that uh, Bharat ended with. Bhagavad Gita has many things that Krishna is telling Arjuna. And in the 18th chapter, he kind of recaps <laughs> the highlights of what he's been talking about in the other things. And in the, here it is in the 18th, the last chapter, which is called, You Shall Attain Me. Wonderful title, You Shall Attain Me. He's wrapping it up. Hundreds of pages of dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, and here is how he's wrapping it up. I won't read all of it, but just the part that I've been rereading. Precious thou art to me, right well, beloved. Listen, I tell thee for thy comfort this. Give me thy heart, adore me, serve me, cling in faith and love and reverence to me. So shalt thou come to me. I promise true, for thou art sweet to me. I will free thy soul from all its sins. Be of good cheer. This is a great, great, great reassurance from God. So no matter what you think about your litany of failures, your inability to sit still in meditation or have a quiet mind cling to me give me your heart this is what God is saying yes I want you to try to meditate yes I want you to serve but I want you to adore me that's what it's all about and if you do and if you can give me your heart I'll free you don't worry about it it's all taken care of in the I think many of us read the book uh, Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander. Um, he has a talk uh, that I got a copy of um, of his of his journey. Eben Alexander wrote a story about 
dying, having a near-death experience and going to heaven and what happened to him there. And one of the main things that happened to him, which I don't even remember from the book, but basically in his talk, he's speaking of it so passionately. Um, the people there and God basically are saying to him, I love you. God is saying, I love you no matter what. You cannot make any mistakes. No matter what you do, nothing changes. That sustaining love is there all the time. So this is, it, and it's not there. <laughs> it's not there, heaven up there with the clouds kind of thing. It's here. And, and we really want to work on opening ourselves to that. So I wanted to share a couple of thoughts about how we might do that. Everyone in this room who has been devoted to God, which most of us in this room have, um, has a meditation practice, we've all experienced grace. We may not realize that's what it is, but it is. Grace is the power of God, and God is manifest as peace, calmness, love, joy, light, sound, power, and wisdom. Those are the eight manifestations according to the Indian teachings. And maybe you've had a time where you sit to meditate, you're feeling, you have a stomach ache, or you are in a bad mood, or you don't want to be there, and you just sit there, and you begin to do your practice. And at a certain point you realize, I'm different. I've changed. I'm touching something that is not my personality, it's not my thoughts. I'm touching divine joy, I'm touching divine calmness. That's grace. Maybe you've been walking along, looking at the beautiful trees, or chanting to yourself, and you feel your heart filled with love. That's grace. Or maybe you've just worked as hard as you can, and absolutely as hard as you can, and you can't work any harder, but you have to, and then you feel a flow of energy. That's grace. So we've all been touched by that, and we want to pay attention Every time that you feel one of those little touches, put it away in your little, your little storage of faith-building experiences. Because that's how we develop more and more faith. We have, we're building it. I, um, the autobiography of a yogi, as we know, is just filled to the brim with experiences of miraculous sort of grace and and it's so endearing and I just for this service I just kept thinking about the experience of master in his various school exams he had three different exams he had to take but what is so endearing to me is how traumatized he was by them you know here is an avatar who was able to speak to doctors and scientists in their own language, was able to speak to people in other, uh, from other countries in their own language, could write poems like Samadhi, and his, his, um, his guru tells him he has to take a, his college exams, and the tears are running down his cheeks. I mean, that's so endearing. I mean, it's just a little play for our behalf to show how God will then save him. And he's just... <laughs> so upset about having to take his exams. And again, I just, 
I, I just, just am so touched by that. And so his guru says, don't worry, your friend so-and-so is going to help you. And, and, um, and he goes to this friend, and day by day, the friend outlines for him, you know, here's what's going to be on the, on the test. And the other students are saying, oh, no, no, that's never on the test. You know, it won't be that. Don't listen to him. And he just goes through day by day. And at a certain point, he realizes he's made a terrible mistake. There were two parts of the exam, A and B. He was supposed to answer one from part A and one from part B. And he realizes he answered both in part A. And he just, he just is in despair. And he says, oh, I'm not worthy of this miracle that's taking place. And he's just really sad. And then someone says, oh, did you hear they've just changed the minimum grade for the exam? And <laughs> it all, of course, works out that that was changed and that was exactly what he needed to pass the exams. And, and he passes the exams. And it's a dramatic demonstration in a very small arena of life, of grace. But we have them in our lives in different ways, too. And I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts from a much less dramatic point of view, <laughs> my life. Um, but some things to think about. It will help us consciously tune into that grace because it's always there and we're always drawing it. So the first one is positivity. Shift your negativity from positivity. We have a study group on Patanjali and this week, the reading said, um, if you're feeling negative, if you don't like someone, focus your attention and think about someone you like. Very simple. I mean, it sounds almost like childishly simple, but it's so powerful. Have you ever noticed that if you're annoyed with some one person, you're kind of annoyed with a lot of people? <laughs> you sort of get on the thread of annoyance, and it sort of spreads over your life. And so what he's saying is powerful. When you're feeling not good about anything in life, just find anything that you do feel good about and think about that. Move yourself onto the positive thread and you, you take the power out of that negative pull. And of course, it opens you to God because God is totally positive. When we're down here praying, please God, you've got to help me. He's sort of saying, um, I think I hear something, but I'm not sure. It's not on my wavelength. So we have to do what we can to lift ourselves to whatever it takes, any smallest amount of positivity to get more on the wavelength of God, and then we can open to that grace. The second one is something that I personally found very challenging, and I think a lot of people in our culture do. And that's to believe that God loves us. Um, there was a survey done in America, I think you probably remember this, that where they, they said that 90% of Americans believed in God, which I was amazed at. But then they asked them, what kind of a God do you believe in? And a fourth of those people believed that God was actually vengeful, would actually send lightning bolts and punish you if you sinned. Another quarter approximately believed that God was not maybe actively vengeful, but just 
highly judgmental <laughs> and watching what you did and not not too pleased with what he saw and then the another quarter believed that God was totally indifferent he brought this world into creation and then he said bye <laughs> and so that's a chunk of this culture that we grew up in you know maybe the last quarter believed in a benevolent God now that permeates our subconscious on a very deep level that maybe we aren't uh, so pleasing to God and maybe that's not such a good thing that we aren't pleasing to God and so we as devotees need to really keep our consciousness up and read the things like the autobiography of a yogi that remind us how much we are loved by God and get on that wavelength Another thing we can do is to realize that that grace, we can tune into it here. We have to have our hearts soft and open to feel we're loved. We have to be paying attention to notice that we have experienced the grace of God many times in our lives and, and stock them up so that we're building our faith. But also then to just direct our attention here. And I was just talking with a friend about this yesterday and we were saying, you know, it seems like there's a lot of times during the day when we should just be going here and not worrying about anything else. Why did I make that mistake? Why did that person say something so obnoxious to me? But rather, okay, I don't want to be in this place and you can help me. I had this happen recently. When we, when we offer prayers that are not you know I need I need you know I want I need I want but rather I want to be connected to you I want to be on a positive wavelength I want to serve I want to um, help people when we're when we're thinking more of the level of connection with God or service those are the kind of prayers that are on his wavelength basically um, I need more of this, I need more of that. Maybe not, that's not so much what he's interested in. But just to, but those kind of prayers, and if we can just hold them up here, it's really sweet to see what can happen. Just this past week, you know, I think, I'm grateful for my shortcomings, actually. I have a number of them, <laughs> which I won't go into, but, but the tendency to get annoyed, it's a shortcoming. And yet, when I get annoyed, if I right away just say, I can't, I have to change, I want to change, I cannot change myself, and I hold it here with all my intensity. Um, I keep thinking of this, um, the image comes to mind, remember the Buddha, at a certain point in his life, he said, he sat down under the Bodhi tree and he said, I will not leave this spot until I learn the mystery of my existence. And I sort of feel that way sometimes with my prayers. I, I know I'm going to leave, I know I'm going to get hungry or whatever, but, 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 but to go into your prayer with that kind of intensity, like, I must change. I must change. I cannot hold on to this limitation. And you put that thought there and you just hold it there with confidence that God is going to respond. And what I, what happens is not 
like, okay, kaboom, you know, thou art blessed and changed, <laughs> or the light, the inner light, but rather you just stand up, you start doing exactly the same thing, but you're happy, you're kind, you're serviceful, you're feeling free. He shifts you from the inside in a very quiet, unnoticeable way. And then you have to pay attention and you have to say, I didn't do that. That was done by God. God is me, of course. God is in me all the time. But that came through me and, and I'm grateful for that. And then we build our faith that the next time we need those kind of changes, they'll be there for us. Let me see if there were any other things I had on this. Ah, uh, yes. The last one is when we put out all the energy we can put out and then we don't have any more energy, but we have to have more energy. And God is pleased that you just do the best you can. And oftentimes, if you just ask for help at that 11th hour, it will come. So that's an important part of the equation. Not that we sit in the lazy boy chair and we say, change me. But we say, I'm going to give it everything I've got, but it's not going to be enough. You're going to have to help me. There will be a response. So this reading, um, I'm sorry, but I can't resist. We're going to close. Close your eyes. We're going to close by reading this again. Precious thou art to me. Listen. I'm shortening it even more. Give me thy heart. Adore me. Serve me. Cling in faith and love and reverence to me. So shalt thou come to me, I promise true, for thou art sweet to me. Oh. Amen. Lord most high, our heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to thee. All our labors, all our joys and woes, all our pleasure, all our melody. Make us each a channel of thy peace, when in darkness guide us from
Asicha channel of thy peace. When in darkness, guide us from above. Where there's sorrow, may we sow thy joy. Where there's hatred, may we share thy love.